John 14, verses 1 through 14. This is the word of Almighty God. Jesus speaking says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? The words that I say to you, not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do And greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. Pray with me, friends. Lord, I just ask that you will add your blessing to our reading and study of your holy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. In the upper room on the night that Jesus was betrayed, the disciples had some heavy hearts. Their master had just told them he was leaving them. You can imagine that would be hard. He says he's going to go somewhere they can't follow. And some of them may have even had a hint in their minds that he was talking about dying. They just didn't understand. Part of the disciples' problem is they didn't really understand the plan of God. But a bigger part is that though the disciples believed in Jesus... They had a view of the Savior that was still too small. They didn't truly grasp that to come to Jesus is to come to God. To know Jesus is to know God. To rely on Jesus is to rely on God. And in the passage we study for today, the Savior is going to help his followers see his identity with clearer eyes. So let's take a look. We're going to find three key points for you to write down. And we'll jump right in here. Point number one, come to Jesus to come to God. Come to Jesus to come to God. Verses five and six, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thomas is one of the 12 disciples. You know him. You call him Doubting Thomas sometimes. That's not very nice, by the way. He was pretty darn brave. But Thomas asks Jesus a very logical question. Jesus says, hey, I'm going somewhere. You can't come now. You'll come later. And you know the way to get where I'm going. And Thomas, probably speaking everybody's mind in the room, says, no, actually, Jesus, we don't know where you're going. 
And if we don't know where you're going, we can't possibly know the way. That makes sense, by the way. But it only makes sense if Jesus is talking about going to a particular location. And Jesus, as you're going to see, is not. You guys probably know verse 6 pretty well by now, wouldn't you say? One of the most quoted verses in the gospel according to John. Jesus claims to be a thing. He says, I am. And then he follows his I am with what he claims to be. Earlier in this book, he's claimed to be the bread of life, the light of the world, the door, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life. Here, we get three things in one sentence. And like the other five times before this one, this I am statement of Jesus is really, really, really important. Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life. The way that's written, Jesus is claiming to be three distinct things that are related to each other. The words of Jesus say that he is uniquely each of these things. There's not another way. There's not another truth. There's not another life. Jesus is the way, not a way. Jesus is the truth, not a truth. Jesus is the life, not a life. And all of this is something Jesus claims to be in the light of what Thomas has just said to him about how do we get Jesus where you're going. So probably when you think about this, way is prominent. Being the truth and the life are supporting it. Let's do our best here. Let's take the three things one at a time. We're going to learn stuff here. There's rich truth here. First, Jesus says he's the way. Thomas said, where are you going? He assumed, I can't know the way to get where you're going unless you give me a, a destination. Jesus says to Thomas, I am the way. This is a profound and weird statement. Why does it feel weird? Let's be nice to Thomas here. Jesus said, I'm the way. But what do you expect somebody to say to you? You expect that they say, I know the way to get somewhere. I'll tell you the way to get somewhere. They don't usually say to you, I am the way you get somewhere. If I said to you, I live on Main Street, you have no, no trouble understanding what that means. But if I said to you, I am Main Street, there you go, now you're with me. Now you see why that's weird. You might feel a little funny about that one, right? But here Jesus goes, just claiming to be the way. Let's think of the concept like this. Let's pretend that you wanted to come to my house one day for lunch. Now, how are you going to get to my house? Probably, I'm going to give you my address, and you'll plug that address into your phone, and it'll tell you where to go, right? But what if, instead of me giving you my address, Mitzi and I let you get in the car with us? So, now do you need my address? No. All you need to do is rest in the fact that you're with us and we've got it, right? In a sense, if you're in the car and Mitzi's driving, she's the way. All you need to know is that you're with her and she'll get you there. What concept is at stake here, guys? It's a big one. Jesus wants his followers, including Thomas, to understand 
that if you want to get to the proper destination, you don't look for a means to get to a destination that's beyond Jesus. Jesus is not a means you use to find the path to heaven. Jesus does not give you the teaching that you need to learn a way to heaven. Jesus does not tell you the good things you should do in order to make your way to heaven. No, no. Jesus says there is only one way for you to get to heaven, for you to get to God, and that's through him. Jesus will not show you a way somehow separate from him. Jesus is your only way. You keep that concept in mind, and it's easier to understand when Jesus says to you, I'm the truth. How many times have you asked people, just tell me the truth? When you ask somebody to tell you the truth, what are you asking? Give me information. You are not by any means asking them or expecting that they will point you to themselves. But Jesus, in the light of the first claim to be the way, now goes further and claims to be the truth. Here we go again. Jesus doesn't point his disciples to a truth that's beyond him. Jesus doesn't say, I'll tell you a truth. I'll tell you something I know. Nope. Jesus says he is the truth. Then, in his last statement here in the first half of verse 6, Jesus claims something really amazing He claims to be the life. Just like seeking a way, like seeking truth, people want life, right? Here's the amazing concept. Jesus is not saying he gives life as if life is something you can have apart from Jesus. Instead, Jesus says to the disciples that he himself, Jesus, is the life. You don't go to Jesus to find life apart from Jesus. When you come to Jesus, you find life when you find Jesus. So, you feel lost? Are you looking for the way to God? Are you looking for the right path? Don't look to a religious ceremony. Don't look to a set of morals or values or philosophies. Don't look for experiences or meditations or deep feelings or cleansing your chakras or anything else. If you want a path to God... There's only one path. You know what the path is? Jesus. You confused? Are you sick of the deception and the lies that are all over the news media? Do you want to know the truth? Don't go to some library on a fact-finding mission. Don't turn to Google. Don't go to some kind of new age religion to get hold of a technique to open your mind. Football fans, don't do the Aaron Rodgers darkness retreat. Don't seek truth in a pretense that you can uncover some reality that nobody else in the world's ever figured out. Don't look for a set of facts that are outside of Jesus. Go to Jesus Because Jesus is the truth. He doesn't tell you truth. He is truth. Side note. If you think you've found any truth that has nothing to do with Jesus, it's probably not truth. 
How about life? You want to get a life? You want to truly feel alive? You want to live forever with God? Don't seek that life as if it's something unique to itself. You don't find life as if life is a thing to be found. Jesus is your life. He doesn't give you a life that is somehow different than or separate from himself. He's the life. Now, in case you think to yourself, Jesus is one way among many ways, one truth among many truths, one life among many lives, the Savior makes it clear that he is the only way, the only truth, the only life. He says, no one, no one, you hear that right? No one comes to the Father except through me. There are not many gods you can come to. There are not many paths to God. There's no such thing as relativity in this truth. This statement from Jesus is totally 100% exclusive. Let's play logic. Let's ask the question. If Jesus says, I am the only way to get to God, you have three possibilities, folks. Either Jesus is wrong, mistaken, confused, and there really are other ways to God, he just doesn't know. Or perhaps Jesus is lying to you, deceiving you, tricking you, the disciples, everybody in the world. Maybe there are other ways he's just hiding them. Do you think he's likely wrong? Or do you think Jesus is a dishonest liar? The only other alternative is that Jesus is telling you the truth. And there is actually only one way to God through Jesus himself. So, if you're not sure where you stand before God, let me ask you this question. Have you come to God through Jesus? If you have not, you're not in God's family. You're not forgiven by God. If you've tried to add something to Jesus, you've missed the point. If you've come to God sort of through Jesus, but sort of not, you've not come to God. If you want to be part of God's family, if you want to be forgiven by God of your sin before God, you must come to God through Jesus. That's why the point is, come to Jesus to come to God. There's no other way. And Christians, you should learn that we should develop in ourselves here a Jesus-only vision of all things. Because Jesus points us to himself in all things. He doesn't want you or me to use him as a way to get to God. He is the way. He doesn't want us to seek him to learn some truth. Jesus is the truth. He doesn't want you to come to him to find life. He is the life. Ask yourself, is your hope totally in Jesus? Or are you thinking Jesus is going to lead you to a way that's apart from him and beyond him? Ask yourself, do you think that there's truth outside of Jesus? Ask yourself, are you looking for Jesus to give you eternal life as if eternal life is different from him? Jesus is how you get to God, not just a sign that points you toward God. He's the truth, not just a truth teller. 
He's your reward, not just the means by which you get to your reward. As we said last week, Jesus is not your ticket to heaven. He is your heaven because heaven is not heaven unless Jesus is there. Christians, God wants you to hear this, to think about the truth of who Jesus is. He wants you to worship him. Your life, from how you do things, from how you think, to your reward, it's all wrapped up in Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know the way, you don't know the truth, and you don't have life. Develop a real Jesus-only focus in life, coming to Jesus to come to God. All right, second point. Know Jesus to know God. That's a K, no, just so you know. Although I did once see a t-shirt that said with the N, know Jesus, know God, then with a K, no Jesus, no God. That's very bumper sticker clever, isn't it? No Jesus to know God. Look at verses 7 and 8 here. We're going to start there. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Oh, Lord, show us the father. It's enough for us. So Jesus tells the disciples, look, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Jesus says, if you had understood this concept... You already know God. Jesus is like, now that I've already told you this, you're, getting, you're knowing God, you're starting to know God more. Point of fact, they're only really going to grasp what Jesus is saying here on the other side of the cross and on the other side of the resurrection. But Jesus knows that what he's just revealed to his disciples, along with what he's really certainly going to do, it's going to lead to them knowing God. Well, Philip gets excited. He's like Moses in Exodus 33 here. He's like, oh, let me see God. Show me the Father. Look at verse 9. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Philip misses the point. By the way, aren't you glad it's not Peter or Thomas this time? Just make you feel a little better. And by the way, can't you sympathize? If you were in the room, you think you would have got it first time through? Don't get smug. Philip really has missed Jesus' identity, but he's going to get it. He will know. And the words Jesus said in the last verse are really true. But for now... Philip is looking at Jesus as the means whereby he will get to something greater. Philip is looking at Jesus as a stepping stone that would take him to God the Father. And Jesus is like, Philip, how could you and the rest of you be around me for so long and not have recognized Jesus is one with God the Father? What's Jesus already said about himself? In John 5, 17 and following, Jesus answers, My father is working until now, and I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath in their minds, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
The son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. Listen to this from Jesus. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. Can you fathom being able to say that, y'all? Whatever God does, that's what I do. Really? Jesus said, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Or John 10, 30. How about this one? Jesus said, I and the Father are one. What's Jesus teaching? Jesus is teaching us what John showed us in the opening words of this gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And when we looked at those words at the beginning of this sermon series, it was a long time ago, by the way, we learned the truth that Jesus was both with God and is God. And that begins our unpacking of the doctrine of the triune nature of God and the deity of Jesus. So who's up for doing a little theology on a Sunday morning? Okay, when Jesus says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father, on the one hand, Jesus is letting his disciples know he is not the Father just wearing a secret identity. In the old days, in the first few centuries of the church, one of the heresies that the church combated was the false belief of modalism modalism. If you really want to know what to call it, you can call it Sabellianism because a guy named Sabellius was behind the start of this. Don't worry about that word. Modalism is the claim that God the Father became Jesus who then later became the Holy Spirit. Modalism denies the fact that the Father is not the Son, that the Son is not the Spirit, that the Spirit is not the Father. Have you guys ever heard someone, when they try to illustrate the Trinity, they say, oh, the Trinity is like water. And if it's really cold, it's ice. But if you warm it up, it becomes water. And if you get really nice and cozy warm, it gets all spiritual. Right? You ever hear somebody do that? That's modalism. I had a friend who once told me, oh, the way I identify the, the Trinity is this. He goes, I am a son to my father. I'm a husband to my wife and I'm a father to my children. That's me being three in one. I'm like, no, that's modalism. Don't use those illustrations. They don't help you. Modalism denies the persons present simultaneously in the Trinity. On the other hand, Jesus is also teaching you by saying these things that he and the Father are one. They're of the same essence. 
They're totally united. The Father's will is Jesus' will. The Father's characteristics are Jesus' characteristics. Another, char- another heresy that the church used to battle in the first few centuries was called Arianism. There was a bishop named Arius who picked up the threads of this heresy as a compliment. We named it after him. And Arius denied what you would call the eternal generation of God the Son. See, Arius believed that Jesus was of similar substance to that of the Father. Arius just could not accept the idea that Jesus is truly God, that he is as eternal as as the Father is eternal. So Arius and those who were deceived by Arianism, they denied the true deity of Jesus. Are you familiar with Jehovah's Witnesses today? Or perhaps Mormons today? They would tell you that they believe in Jesus, but they deny that he is co-eternal with the Father. They deny the deity of Jesus. False teachings like modalism, like Arianism, they denied biblical teachings about God. They were condemned very early in the life of the church. They're not new. You ever have... I don't know, parents with your children. You ever have a conversation and want to say, we solved this a long time ago. (laughs) You're going to clean your room. I don't need to tell you why anymore. Wives, have you ever felt like talking to your husbands? We've been through this already. I'm sure husbands have never felt that with their wives. So I'm sure... Church, when someone acts like, oh, I now understand God. He's the Father who turned into the Son. Or, oh, they're they're like, they're, they're similar, but they're not exactly the same kind of God. We've been through this already, church. Early in the years of the church, in the first few hundred years of the life of the church, we battled these heresies. We figured them out. You know what they did? They wrote responses to them, which we now call the creeds. So when we as the church sometimes read the Nicene Creed, what we're doing is affirming with Christians through the ages the biblical understanding of the Trinity. Jesus is God. The Father is God. Jesus is not the Father. The Father is not Jesus. Yet the Son and the Father are one with one another, united, same in essence, one true God. Does that hurt your brain? It should. The Nicene Creed says it this way. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made. That's pretty good. That should help you understand the Father and the Son. And even the stuff you can't understand completely, you should be ready to go, the Word of God teaches it, and faithful churchmen throughout the ages have helped me see it. Guys, we're not doing a new thing here today. Look at this. Now, verse, um, verses 10 and 11. Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? 
The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So now Jesus goes on. And he's calling on the disciples, will you please see that I am God completely united with the Father? He says, if you can't believe my words, at least believe based on the miracles you've seen me do. In this gospel, Jesus has turned water into wine. He healed the sick. He fed 5,000. He walked on water. He gave sight to the blind. He raised the dead. That's the kind of stuff only God does. Jesus wants you to know, to truly believe that he is God, united in perfect harmony with God the Father. How can Jesus be the way, the truth, and the life? Because he's the God you want to come to. When you trust in Jesus, you trust in God. When you believe in Jesus, you believe in God. And can I be very real with you here? What? must it mean if you refuse Jesus? That means you reject God. That's why rejecting Jesus is the sin that separates people from God forever. Jesus is God. You cannot reject Jesus and ever, ever be right with God. So know Jesus and know God. Third point, last one. You still with me? Rely on Jesus to rely on God. Last couple verses for today, 12 to 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So Jesus said, my miracles testify to my deity. Now he says, with all seriousness, that's what truly, truly I, you know, I mean this one, guys. Pay attention, guys. He's saying, if you believe in me, you will do even greater works than the miracles I've done. It's not because they're more powerful than Jesus. It's not because they're greater than Jesus. But somehow the fact that Jesus is going to his father is going to empower his followers to do things that are greater than what Jesus did on the earth. Now let me ask you all, do you catch the drastic, crazy, amazing sound in this concept? How many of you heard that and thought, now wait a minute, any of you? Is that because you weren't paying attention? Do you believe in Jesus? Are you his follower? If so, you can do, you should do miracles that are more awesome, more spectacular than the miracles Jesus did while physically present on earth. Does that catch you weird? A little bit, right? You got to think one of two things right now. Either you think Travis is crazy, which is a possibility. That can't be what Jesus meant. Or you start asking yourself, what's wrong with me? Why can't you do miracles like that? Let me help you out. Let me talk to you. Jesus is not here saying to you, 
that you're going to do something that to the eyes of the watching world is more spectacular than raising Lazarus from the dead, right? In the world's eyes, nothing could outshine that. But there's something more spectacular than that. Lazarus was dead physically. And Jesus brought him back to life. But there is a death that is more serious than what Lazarus experienced. There's a spiritual death. Ephesians 2, 1 says everybody who does not know Jesus is spiritually dead. They're separated from God. They're under the wrath of God. And for somebody like that to be made alive, that's more than just miraculous. That's more than just raising the physical dead. It is a greater miracle than anything we ever saw Jesus do in his earthly ministry. The miracle of salvation is only accomplished because Jesus went to the cross and died and rose from the grave. Your ability, my ability to spread that gospel empowered by the Spirit can only happen because Jesus went to heaven alive sitting on the throne of the universe right now by his Father interceding on our behalf. Because Jesus went to the cross, you and I have the incredible privilege of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with spiritually dead people We share the gospel that God will use to make people alive. And those who are not merely sick, those who are not merely dying, those who are dead spiritually, those who are destined for hell, they're the very people that you and I, by the power of God, will watch come to life because of what Jesus has done, because Jesus left this world and went to sit on the throne by his Father. And Jesus says that's a greater miracle than anything he did during his three and a half years of earthly ministry. Now, how are we going to accomplish those works, you ask? How do we live to the glory of God with Christ not physically walking right here beside us? The answer is this. In this verse, prayer. We're going to get to some obedience in the Holy Spirit in the next few verses, but that's next week. 13 and 14, Jesus says, if he goes to his father, we can ask anything in his name and he's going to do it. Please notice when we ask, Jesus accomplishes the glory, the miracles through his power. We don't get to do it by our power, our strength. Here's a question. Jesus said, you ask anything in my name, I'm going to do it. So here's the question. What does it mean to pray in Jesus's name? How many of you... When you finish praying, get to the end and say, in Jesus' name, amen. How many feel like that's like pressing send on the email? (laughs) Does praying in my name simply mean that we tack the phrase, in Jesus' name, amen, on the end of our prayers? No, no. Jesus is not trying to give you the magic words to make God do your bidding. Oh, Ben wants his co-worker to be saved, but he didn't say in Jesus' name, amen, I can't do it. (laughs) Darn it! No, Jesus is saying, if we pray in accord with his will, for the sake of his glory, 
depending on his power, based on his finished work, then we'll see answered prayers. To pray in Jesus' name is to pray what Jesus would pray were Jesus in your situation. To pray in Jesus' name is to pray not based on your worthiness, but based on Jesus' perfect worthiness to approach the Father and ask for help. To pray in Jesus' name is you saying to God, I personally do not have the authority to ask you to do this, so I ask based on who Jesus is and on what Jesus has done and on the fact that he's told me I'm authorized to ask this of you. It's kind of like this. There have been times where I've said to Owen, Owen, go tell Josiah to take out the trash. Owen does not, as the youngest of three, have the authority to command Josiah to take out the trash. But you know why Josiah does it? Because he does it in my name. Does that make sense? When you ask Jesus, when you finish a prayer and you say in Jesus' name, what you should be saying to the Lord is, because of what Jesus is and what he's done, I ask it. Amen. One of the most amazing things God has ever done is to give you the privilege of praying in the name of the Lord Jesus for things that are in accord with the will of Almighty God. May we never, ever neglect that privilege. God has told us when we rely on Jesus, we're relying on God. Quick commercial. Come pray with us on Wednesday night. We're going to lift up requests in the name of Jesus, and it's worth it. Now, as we wrap up, God's got a call for your life here right now. Maybe today for the very first time, you need to be saved. Come to Jesus to come to God. You can't come to God in any other way than by entrusting your soul to Jesus. Repent, believe in Jesus, ask Jesus, please Jesus, forgive me based on who you are and what you've done. Maybe today, God wants you to begin to get to know Jesus better. After all, you know God when you know Jesus. So believe in Jesus. He is God. Wonder that he would have ever come to earth to save your soul. And in response, worship him and love him dearly. Maybe the call is for you to begin carrying the gospel to your friends and your neighbors. Maybe the call is that you would seek the Lord in prayer, knowing that to rely on Jesus is to rely on God. Jesus promised us he's going to do miracles. He's going to do, that you're going to be able to do more important, more amazing miracles than the ones Jesus did when he walked the earth. Jesus is going to see people saved and see people's lives changed when you pray and carry the love of Jesus to them. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody will ever come to God without coming through Jesus. So let's help other people know it and let's rejoice when we know Jesus ourselves. Pray with me, dear friends. Lord God, we acknowledge today that the Lord Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that none of us can come to you except through him. We acknowledge that our only hope for life is Jesus and what he's done. 
And we desire, Lord God, that you would be magnified as we seek Jesus and know Jesus and trust in Jesus. Lord, even now, we just find ourselves amazed at the Savior. Even now, we find ourselves in desperate need of knowing him more. I don't know how, you've, how you have encouraged or convicted this body today, but I pray for everyone that they will rest in you, love you, know you more. Do your will in our midst, we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen.